0: Welcome to the podcast of Fellowship Church in Dallas, Pennsylvania. To find out more about Fellowship Church, visit fellowshipefc.org.
1: Welcome to Where Sands It Written, a podcast series of Fellowship Church Dallas, Pennsylvania. Uh, Welcome, Pastor Carl.
0: Good to be here with you. Thank you. And
1: uh, yeah, and we have a special guest with us, uh, Greg Strand. Greg Strand is the EFCA Executive Director of Theology and Credentialing. He serves also on the Board of Ministerial Standing and the Spiritual Heritage Committee. He and his family are members of Northfield, Minnesota, EFCA. And so, uh, Greg, thanks for coming on and joining our podcast. Yeah, thank
2: you for inviting me. It's a joy and a privilege to be here with you. I'm grateful for what you are doing on the front lines of ministry
1: uh, in in, uh, Pennsylvania. Dallas, Pennsylvania.
0: Amen. Awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you. So why don't we uh start with some introduction? Greg, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh your role with the EFCA. Um how did you end up in this role and how long have you been been with the EFCA and, and doing your work? Yeah,
2: thank you for the question. Um, it could it could be long. I'll try to condense this, uh, mm-hmm. but over the course of uh, the last many years, I've served as an as as a youth pastor. I've served as an associate pastor of adult ministries in a in a uh, for for a number of years. Uh, I served as a senior lead pastor uh, of a church, um, and so a variety of different ministry experiences. And uh, actually, twenty years ago, just this last August, I celebrated uh, my anniversary uh, oh, wow. for being in this role uh, twenty years. It's uh, hard to believe, um, but I've been serving in this role uh, for the last twenty years uh, uh, as a. Uh, Denominational uh, representative minister uh, serving pastors and churches uh, in the EFCA. Well,
1: congratulations!
2: Yeah, thanks. It's it's really quite quite astounding. Hard hard to believe. Hmm. You know, I would say this too. You know, my, my heart is in the local church, and I remember about five years having been in this role. Um, I I I didn't know how long I would stay in this role. About five years, you start thinking, you know, Lord, is this is this really where you uh, are desire for me to serve? And I remember wrestling with that with with some dear friends, uh, uh, pastor friends, and and they said, you know, if if you the, the fact that your first one of your first loves, of course, in Christ, but is his bride, the church, indicates you may well be the right person for this position.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah, if,
2: if if you didn't have a love for the church and a care and concern for the church, you probably should step out of the position. Oh,
0: yeah. I never forgot that. That that's. Wonderful to hear. I know, uh, and, and, and we feel that and sense that from the, the EFCA Central Office, just that desire. Maybe some people from other denominational backgrounds um, might not be familiar with exactly how it works and what what the, the EFCA Central Office is, is really all about, and your relationship with pastors, your relationship with churches, kind of why you exist— um, could you just uh, fill us in a little bit about what that relationship is like, what you seek to do uh, in, in your role and also with the rest of the EFCA?
2: Yeah. So the EFCA is uh, congregational in our polity, which means local churches are autonomous mm-hmm. and interdependent. That is, that is, local churches are not autonomous. Autonomy in the EFCA does not equal independence, mm-hmm. autonomy, and interdependence. So, so we are an association of churches and what unites us in the EFCA, I would say three things. I'm going to use some theological terms so uh, I, I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what unites us is theology. That is that is uh, the, the Bible uh, our sole authority, our statement of faith and and so every every free church must affirm uh, adopt our statement our EFCA statement of faith. There's a second piece, and that is ecclesiology, or the church. That is, we we agree to uh, associate as congregational churches. And the reason that's important, not just polity-wise in a local church, but as a denomination then, in, in order for us to make decisions as a denomination, we have to have some means by which we will do that as an association of churches. So there is a polity that is congregational, that is our ecclesiology. The third is missiology or mission. That is we, we as free churches are, are uh, in Concord in our mission of making disciples of, of all nations, the, 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 the great command and commission given by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So I, I would say those things bring us together uh, in the EFCA. A whole lot more could be said, but that that in brief summary uh, depicts what we do uh, in the EFCA and how we partner as churches.
0: Okay, great.
1: Well, That's awesome. So um, it seems that one of the things you're deeply involved with is doctrine. And uh, as all the pastors in the EFCA that are credentialed, uh, they have to go through a rigorous process for licensing and ordination would you say that your study of doctrine and doctrinal issues ever reaches an end or do you need to continually continuously research doctrinal issues to serve in your role
2: yeah <laughs> um we are all perpetual learners when when have we arrived mm-hmm. uh, you know think of think, th- think of uh, you know a, a approved workman you know it, it's the verse that's memorized in awana right It's the key verse uh, you know, approved workmen, ministers of the gospel uh, um, um, are are not ashamed because we are we are adequately handling the word of God. So when, when do we reach that point of adequacy? Um, mm-hmm. and, and we we never do, mm-hmm. um, and so we are perpetually uh, studying and learning and researching, and and not for the sake of uh, of learning in and of itself. But 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 the learning that that enables us to understand the height, the breadth, the length, the depth of the love of God in Christ Jesus for us, mm. and and so um, it's it's a it's a it's a never-ending um, uh, uh, quest, honestly, that we continue to learn and to grow, and and again, not as an end in itself, but but for conformity into the likeness of Christ.
0: Amen. Yeah, I heard you explain once, Greg, about how the um EFCA holds credentialing for the for the pastors in the EFCA uh rather than it being held at the congregational level by the local church. Could you just comment and explain like why is yeah. it done that way?
2: Yeah, it's it's really uh, you know, our credentialing, I, I refer to it as a three-legged stool. It's the local church, it's a district, and there are 17 districts in the in the EFCA. Um uh, you being a part of EFCA East uh, used to be Eastern District Association EDA now the EFCA East and there are 17 uh, districts and then the National Board of Ministerial Standing. Um, in brief, the Board of Ministerial Standing is directly accountable to the conference. That is all the delegates of the of the Free Church at any any given conference gathering or meeting, mm-hmm. and they are responsible for the doctrinal fidelity doctrinal integrity and the moral faithfulness of credentialed pastors, and they report directly to the conference. In some ways, um, it would be reflective of the elders in a local church. Mm -hmm. So the Board of Ministerial Standing is responsible for the doctrinal integrity and the moral faithfulness of their pastors, and the means by which that is done is through credentialing. and this process then is because of our congregational polity, a qualifying ministry, that is to say, a local church needs to call an individual as their pastor, as their minister, which then begins the process. We don't do our credentialing apart from a local church, which begins the process. That's our congregational polity. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, then that, that, that pastor can begin to pursue the credentialing process, which then happens through the district. And and there's a paper that's written. There's a there's a council that's that's been held. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about the council, the paper, and the council. Yeah. Um, and then um, once that's done, what the district has done, they 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 uh, pass that on to the national board of ministerial standing with a recommendation. Then we at the national level read and then approve that individual for credentialing. And the reason why we do that is it's not just a local church; it is a national credential, which means if you no longer serve at that church but you move move to another church not that you will but if you did you would still be credentialed in the EFCA um and and so often what happens if it's only a local church credential what happens is once one's credentialed and they move the credential means nothing there hmm. there's no accountability there's there's that, it it just doesn't carry the significance or the weight or the accountability that it should and so um that's our three-legged stool that that i i think is uh, 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 it's a strength it's 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 more than just a local church credential mm. and it's not exactly a a hierarchical or an academic credential either right
0: um
2: mm. and so uh, my sense is uh the efca credentialing process is is the best of both of those kinds of of denominational worlds
1: mm. that's
0: cool that's awesome now, just a minute. Now, which that? one
2: of you have been credentialed or ordained? Talk I, to me about that.
0: I have my ministry license and okay. uh and uh so I'm eligible now to move toward the EFCA ordination. So talk to me about it. What did I you am, what did
2: you think about it?
0: Well, I, I really did I really did um uh feel like it was a growing and, and very valuable process for me. I really appreciate it because <clears throat> it like I said, I mean, um I would agree it's rigorous. Um yep. Uh, and at the local church level, I feel like there's there's the value there that my church affirmed because they know me the best yep. uh, as to who I am and yep. you know what I'm about, what my family's like and all of that. Yep. Um, and then you have that additional piece of yes. this group of pastors who are looking at me a little more objectively. Yep. Who ask me really really hard questions? Yes. And I have to be able to handle scripture, you know, in an appropriate way. And yeah. they gave me feedback, and they, you know, dismissed me from the room and talked yeah. about my answers amongst yeah. each other. I felt like it was a more objective process, and and it was challenging, but you know, I, I really I, I look forward to taking that next step. Yeah. Um, I think
2: yeah. I think that's wonderful, and you know what? It, it's one of those things too, where where we we call members or or, or regular attenders, we call them to membership. And, and for us as pastors who are doing that, we can also say, and because we are part of the EFCA, you need to know that I, too, am a man under authority. Mm-hmm. I, I have pursued credentialing. And so so we are not just whistling in the dark asking you to, to be accountable and to be a part of this as the church as a member. You need to know that we, too, are, are under authority in the EFCA. And we've gone through this process, and we are joyfully accountable to for doctrine and 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 moral purity of life in the EFCA as well. I think that's a strong message. Uh mm-hmm. so I I concur. Yeah.
1: That's great. Oh, no, that's awesome. Um regarding like doctrinal discussion, um have they changed throughout the years within the denomination or or movement? Um and if so, what ways?
2: Yeah, um certainly. I would say this that there's re- there's nothing new under the sun. And and often the way I describe this is that um the this this the this, the skeleton uh original sin remains the same but the contempt, but, but but the outer garments reflect the contemporary day mm-hmm. so so that just as an example um in the 4th century uh the early church whether it's the council of nicaea or later the council of uh, of 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 uh um uh Chalcedon in 451 or um uh night uh, I'm sorry Nicaea is 325 uh, uh, uh Constantinople is 381. they're 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 wrestling with was is Jesus God the son forever or was he a created being
1: hmm. well
2: th- that's 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 the the, the heresy of Arianism and and the councils, the early councils, condemned it as a heresy, rightly so. Well, um, uh, where does that find its uh, surface today? Where does it surface today? Well, you're going to get a knock on the door, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be a Jehovah's Witness.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so so there there is an instance where the under the uh, the uh, the, uh, the skeleton remains the same. Um, or, or oneness Pentecostalism, uh, which is a form of modalism. that is Jesus only if you've heard about if you've heard of that. Um, um, open theism, uh, you know the, the, this this notion that that God does not know the future exhaustively. Well, why didn't we include that in a 1950 statement of faith? Well, it, it wasn't an issue at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. Why
2: did we in 2008? Because it was an issue. So yes, brother, that there are uh, ongoing iterations of, of heterodoxy and, and, and heresy. And, and there is nothing new under the sun, but there is new clothing um, that gets put on. And this is one of the reasons that I would say it's, it's critical for us to not not to, to know the scriptures, to know them well, but also to know church history or historical theology because there is nothing new under the sun. So yeah. much more I can say about that. Uh, you know, for, for example, even today, I mean, we, we are having huge conversations about about uh, just a host of things. Look at the the, the, the divisions that are happening within our churches. Um, who would have thought that um, th- th- there are divisions over masks?
1: Mm.
2: Now, is that a doctrinal issue? Well, I mean, it's a behavioral issue, but undergirding it, you know what, there are some doctrinal issues that undergird that, aren't there?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and i could go on uh, and you've lived them and we're living them yeah.
0: yeah yeah it's interesting that kind of leads to my uh next question because i think there there is um uh, there's heterodoxy there's there's false teaching there's a lot and um you know as a pastor um who i'm a pastor of spiritual development so one of my roles is to kind of uh, keep an eye on things resources that are being used but in our studies and all that kind of thing and you can't just say well, it comes from a Christian publisher, so it's good. Yeah, <laughs> um, you, you just can't assume right. that anymore. Uh, there's there's so much now. There's false teaching out there. There's also well-meaning, uh, well-meaning, unintentional false teaching. Um, uh, if somebody's a Sunday school teacher and they talk about christmas and they unintentionally say you know this is when god created jesus (laughs) it's the same heresy but it's coming more out of ignorance so it kind of leads to um you know can we talk about how doctrine is important for everyone in the congregation not just for its pastors not just for even its leaders and and um and and credential pastors but yeah. um you know the how important is doctrine to people who are not pastors and elders in the local church and, and where should we you know is 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 it really for everybody
2: yeah um uh it is it is for everybody uh it does matter for everybody um uh, what what does it mean think about this um uh, what does it mean to confess Jesus Christ is lord
1: hmm.
2: i mean often people will say doctrine divides jesus unites <laughs>
1: Which Jesus. <laughs> yeah.
2: So let's just start asking the question. So who is Jesus? Why did he come?
1: Yeah.
2: Why did he live? What's the significance of his birth? Why did he die?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How did he die? Was that the end? And and so I mean to to say I think it's well intended, but it's 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 it's, it's naive. To think that that doctrine divides, as if that's a bad thing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and Jesus unites. Well, Jesus also divides, mm.
1: Uh,
2: mm. father against mother, mother against daughter. I mean, uh, but he also unites uh, as well. So uh, to me, it, it's somewhat it's somewhat uh, simplistic, uh, well intended, but 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 inaccurate um and, and even as you noted jacob it, it's as soon as you say jesus unites which jesus and then you begin to press further and deeper um and and you 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 realize that that apart from th- doctrine or theology of asking these further questions we're not going to know the truth we're not going to know the christian faith we just simply will not so it, it and it's for everybody so so if in fact god has created us uh, uh for his glory then everything we do ought to be done, uh, whether we eat or drink, right? First Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. How do we know what we are doing is done for the glory of God? How do we determine that? And and where is that taught? You know, where it's taught in the home. H- how do we know uh, what, what uh, uh, male and female are? We're going to see it modeled in the home. So where are our young people going to be taught and modeled these Biblical truths—they're going to be—it's going to be modeled or not,
1: mm-hmm. at home. Yeah.
2: And and so, does it matter? Well, let me just give you an example. Uh, in the Reformation, um, Martin Luther, of course, posts his ninety-five theses in fifteen seventeen. It was uh, not that many years later that he put his small catechism together, and the reason for it was was to help parents instruct their children in the home, mm. because the, the parents didn't understand the Christian faith. It was Luther's intentional, purposeful means of giving a tool to parents so that they could just simply recite it and impart biblical truth, doctrinal truth to the family. And then he would go on and write his larger catechism that he would then say, you know, once you have uh, completed this, read the larger catechism. And so my point is this, that it is absolutely critical for us, not yeah, I mean, we say, uh, um, well, I'm not a theologian. Well, if you're a Christian, you're a theologian. If anybody mm. has ever asked, what does this text mean? That puts you into the category of a theologian. Now, some of us are pastor theologians vocationally, but all of us are Christian theologians if we've been born again. Amen. And so, friends, it matters. Our, our desire is to know God, even more so to be known by God and and so uh there's there's just a whole lot more so when we ask the question how do we how do we think about about uh, humanity and human dignity and compassion and justice and and those and racial matters how do we think about that that is at the heart of biblical truth it's at the heart of 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 theology there's yeah. nothing that's exempt from from pushing back down uh the the significance of of theology you know i've I've put together a, a, a paper. I'll be happy to make it available to you, but it's entitled "Theology Matters." Theology mm-hmm. matters. You know what I mean by that? There are five. There are actually five points. It'll just be brief. First, theology matters refers to theological theology. That is to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love I love what uh, what one theologian said. Theology is about everything, but it is not about everything about everything but about everything in relation to God.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good.
2: John Webster, if, 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 if it matters. Secondly, I've said this, theology matters refers to theology that's derived from the Bible. This is why we are committed to, to teach, read, instruct in the Bible. Third, theology matters refers to theology derived from the Bible. Sorry, that was my second. Third, Mm -hmm. uh, it refers to the essence of God's revelation, which focuses on the supreme and final culmination of that revelation, the person of Jesus Christ. Hey, what a wonderful time. This is the incarnation that we celebrate. Fourth, in light of what has preceded, theology matters refers to theology matters. Not just does it matter, but but, uh, other matters. Matters out there matter. But theology matters in response to them. The last is this. Theology matters refers to all matters that are affected or are to be interpreted by theology. Nothing is exempt.
0: Wow, that's good. You know, describing theology that way reminds me that that can start at a very young age. It, by, and it by should. By yeah.
2: Absolutely yeah. should.
0: Yeah. Jacob's involved in our in our kids' ministry here, and, and we've really um, put a big emphasis on teaching doctrine yeah. to kids at an yeah. appropriate it. Age level think, and he does with his own family,
2: and and here I, I commend you. We, we did the same. And here here's what I would say. You know, it, it doesn't mean because they can articulate, you know, certain things. What is the chief end of man uh, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to understand it. But here's exactly. the key: they now have a biblical theological framework that, by God's grace, they will grow into.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yes,
2: and 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 that 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 is not for nothing.
1: Yeah, that I love what, um, a... what Vodi Bakum talks about that um, rudimentary uh, learning, mm-hmm. you know, well, in people's, um, you know, kind of opposition to catechesis at an early age is well. You know, I, I want my children to love God. I want them to love the Bible. OK, do you want your child to love reading? OK, so you're going to what? Teach him A, B, C, D, E, right. G. Do you want them to learn math? Okay, then you're going to teach them their multiplication tables. Yep. And the catechesis is exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, not only is it just for them to know in their head to, to have this framework, but also when it comes time for discipline, I can ask my my three or four-year-old, I can ask him, who made you? And they'll respond, God. Okay, why did God make you? For his glory okay and so god made you for his glory so when you use the hands and feet and the mouth that he created to do something harmful to somebody you're not living for his glory hmm. and so it becomes more than just knowing these facts it becomes a, a a discipleship moment for my children and point them to their purpose to glorify god and so that's i think right. that's it's really important to really get that started, like discipleship. Yeah, and, starts and, and at
2: know, some yes. of it, some of it too. I think in a lot of
1: a lot of churches,
2: particularly congregational churches, um, we are not uh, given to creeds much. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is let's acknowledge it. There, 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 there are some negatives to creeds. That is, they become rote and ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but here's here's what one has said. Jarzla Pelkin actually, he said this. Uh, um, tradition is the living faith of the dead traditionalism is the dead faith of the living wow and it's the latter yeah. that's given tradition
1: mm. a bad name yeah
2: that's... so let's acknowledge some of the some of the some of the potential negatives of of using catechism or a Creed or a confession it's rote. it's traditionalism it's you know all these sorts of things it's dead orthodoxy let's acknowledge all that it's it, it's 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 a it's a temptation, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But hey, let, let's not overlook the fact that by doing nothing, hey, there's something that's going on there too.
0: Right. There
2: are going to be they're going to be both intended and unintended consequences from that too. So let's acknowledge that.
0: That's good. You know, uh, Greg. One of the interesting things about the EFCA for those who maybe aren't familiar with um, with an EFCA church, there's a desire to be united on foundational primary issues of the gospel while also at the same time you know if you're going to dig into doctrine leaving room and for discussion and charity on more secondary matters of doctrine um so then the big question is how i mean our statement of faith is very much uh it resonates with the gospel all the way through the statement of faith all of these things are um you know we call them a gospel issue so to speak so so the big question is and i'm I'm sure you have the answer how can you tell between a, a secondary matter and a gospel issue. Yeah. Uh, how do we make that determination between them?
2: Yeah, I think in the Free Church, we've often, and I think too too narrowly, either either an issue is considered a uh, an essential gospel issue or it's a significance of silence issue. Hmm. and i I think it's been too too bifurcated. There are nuances in between. Mm-hmm. and and just so you know, this is not original with the Free Church. Um, it's not original in the uh, early part of the 2000s when when Al Mohler wrote a, an article entitled "Theological Triage," yeah. an article, article that you probably with which you're familiar. Um, but you know it honestly goes back to uh, the, the 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 Reformational uh, the Scholastics, Reformational uh, Scholastics,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where they they you know and and of course what you had in the 16th uh, century into the 17th century you had primarily Lutheran and Reformed. Um, and and so they're asking questions. You know, what, what what about some of these differences? And and even at that time, uh, they 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 addressed three levels actually. Uh, and this is the six, sixteenth, seventeenth centuries. And that is they would call they would refer to the fundamental articles of the faith, the secondary fundamental articles of the faith, <laughs> and the non fundamental articles of the faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So this is this is not new this this is this is something that's been around and and i would say for for us in the free church uh, we are actually writing a book entitled evangelical unity um I, you you probably Carl had to read the book the significance of silence
0: mhm yep
2: um it that's dated and and so we're we're working on on the evangelical unity which will be a companion to evangelical convictions oh. um and for your for your information, we're also writing a book entitled Evangelical Heritage, which is a book on our history. That that's mm-hmm. in process, and those latter two will probably be out within a year and a half or so. Great. But all that to say, in our book Evangelical Unity, we're we're asking these questions. That is, with the, with the, with the Scripture as foundational to doctrine and life, we have identified four four categories of dogmatic rank, or or an order. Theological order is how we've described it. Since since you've asked, how how do you determine yeah, some of yeah. those things? Because at one level, I, I think as helpful as it's become over the last decade, and you you both would recognize this, we 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 talk about issues as if they're gospel issues, right? Well well think about this. What is not related to the gospel?
1: Hmm.
2: So on the one hand, we would say yes, but on the other hand, we would say I I, I don't I don't know that that's overly helpful because then what hmm. ends up happening is where when we then differ, we accuse someone because they differ from me. We accuse someone of denying the gospel. Right. Well, oh, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think there's a better way. And and so for us, it's a matter of of and 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 the the, the polls of first order, second order, third order, and that's how we're going to refer to them. It's just it's just simpler than 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 other a whole host of other things. But the first order of importance, second, third importance, and then the the last is is um disputable matters. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice. That that the first and the last come right out of the scriptures. Right. So the first order comes out of First Corinthians 15, that which is of first importance. Importance, right? And it's the gospel, right? It, it, it's the res- death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and but then the second, uh, the, the 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 fourth is it comes out of Romans 14: 1. That is accept. Paul would say, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over. You remember the term?
0: Disputable matters. Yeah.
2: Disputable matters. And mm-hmm. so we have, you know, the polls there that are that are biblically grounded, first, disputable matters, and then second and third. So then the question is, how do we understand that? Where do we where do we determine where to place something in that category? Um, well, let me just state I could go in great detail, but here they are, six six steps. First, relevance to our understanding to the the nature and the character of God. Second, connection to the gospel and the overarching narrative of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Third, exegetical clarity. Mm -hmm. Third, biblical prominence. And there, there are definitions that go with each of these. Fourth, historical consensus. Here's his church history, historical theology. And fifth, application to the church and the believer. That is. That, and this gets to the contemporary issue that that which was an issue fifty years ago may not well be as pressing as it is today. And so the, these are the the, the 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 steps in which we seek to discern what we call dogmatic rank or theological uh, uh, order or triage.
0: Great, that's a helpful helpful uh, structure yeah. to have for those discussions. Yeah. I'll,
2: I'll send you a, a link to the article that I that that in which this uh, I've I've spelled this out.
0: Great. And uh, I think
1: going off that, in the last few years, um, Article 9 of the EFCA Statement of Faith was amended, uh, basically changing the fact that we anticipate a, quote, premillennial return of Christ to wording that we anticipate, quote, a glorious return of Christ. Uh, basically, you know, this made room for other evangelical believers like myself who don't necessarily hold to the premillennial view to still be members and pastors of the EFCA. Uh, So my question would be, looking back, has this change been a good and helpful thing or has it created any unanticipated issues or problems?
2: Um, Yes to all. Um, I mean, it hasn't necessarily been problems, um, but, um, you know, it's not it's not as if uh, some some looked at the change as if. And it wasn't done pragmatic. It wasn't done for pragmatic reasons or purposes. Uh, There were principled reasons why it was done, Um, but in broadening our millennial view to include any of the three major millennial views, be it pre, ah, or post, um, it it didn't exclude, it broadened without excluding any of them. So Mm -hmm. some who were premillennialists concluded that that because we broadened it to include pre uh, I'm sorry glorious and then include the other two views we no longer were exclusively premillennial as if we were against premillennial hmm. and that wasn't the case at all um and 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 you know the, the the principal purpose for this was to say just like just like i laid out for you the a first important second third and and disputable matters and and then the means by which we determine this um y- 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 you will find that dispensational premillennial in particular or premillennialism uh, uh more broadly because there are various views of premillennialism as well um that they- it's been more prominent the last 200 years yeah. but if you look at church history in just brief overview the first the first 3 or 4 centuries were primarily K- killiasm, a form of premillennialism a- and amillennialism well then Augustine in in the, in the in the in you know after the Edict of Milan in 313 and Augustine comes along the city of God All millennialism was a predominant millennial view from the fourth century fifth century up until the 16th or 17th centuries. the reformers were amillennial. Yeah. and then you had some that became a 17th century or so uh post-millennial like Jonathan Edwards uh, and and some of the Puritans. Uh, who are also some all-millennial um and then in the 19th century you had uh, uh john nelson darby and others that that it became more dispensational pre-millennial so so then the question is what is the historical consensus on the millennium and and so just simply asking that question so as we look at the the dogmatic rank or the or the the theological uh order uh uh etc um where where does m- the millennium fall in First, second, third, or mm-hmm. disputable matters. Right, mm-hmm. right. Just looking, just, just just looking at at what I described earlier, the the number five historical consensus. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a good question. So it was a principled purpose. Sure. It's 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 nothing wrong with with a, a denomination or a church holding to a exclusively premillennial view. But in the free church, what we said was that's not what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We do offer some latitude. Biblical and theological latitude on some of these issues, and to say yes to all these other issues over here—that literally more blood was shed, whether it's the ordinances or whatever, mm-hmm. than was on eschatology. Wow. And then to have this exclusive view on eschatology, there was an inconsistency, and that was that was our principled purpose for uh, addressing uh, that particular uh, premillennial position.
1: That's yeah, uh, yeah. That's really cool. I like this.
0: That opens up the door to discussion on matters rather than thinking we need to hold to a least common denominator approach where if if there's any disagreement we don't even talk about it you know or and and there that can communicate it's not important at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know rather than having having those discussions. I so if if we embrace this this um the value of doctrine as a church as a local church and we want to teach doctrine even you know even deal with some of the disputable matters or or levels two and three as well uh in our discussions with um with learning doctrine in the church how do you keep doctrinal study in the congregation from becoming uh just academic uh just um you know too much uh like just trying to replicate a a seminary or a bible institute um because you know what scripture calls us to is to be conformed into the image of christ to be transformed by the renewing of our minds um what have you learned about uh the study of doctrine and how to uh, how to go from beyond information into transformation
2: yeah yeah i think that's i think that's very important i would say uh you know my generation probably focused a lot on information as if information um uh, equated with maturity or sanctification mm-hmm. uh not, not necessarily true i i guess you could you could probably make a parallel in that um, uh, for, forwarding a Facebook post doesn't necessarily make you the expert on that topic that you just forwarded in your Facebook post. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amen. Um, it just doesn't. Um, and, and similarly, then with the information. Uh, now, information is not bad. It's 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 necessary. It's it's part of it. But but it's not it's not it's not an end in and of itself. The end is to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. That's the end. So how do you how do you then uh, uh, sort of uh, ensure that we remember these sorts of things? Um, you know, I think oftentimes when someone comes out of, say, for example, seminary, a young a young uh, a pastor in ministry, often the temptation is one of two things: either um, never to open a theology book again,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is sad, or secondly, to make the church a mini mini seminary which is bad too. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So what what we do is we 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 live it out ourselves. So that w- we model, we teach, we instruct, we model. We we live lives of repentance. We live lives of humility as we continue to learn and grow. I, I become very alarmed when someone says, and I and I've heard it. I could I could name names for you. I won't, but I could. When someone says, I've not changed anything from when I first became a Christian, and I'm thinking I, I, that's not something that I I would I would want to hold up as an exemplar,
1: yeah. right. right? I really
2: wouldn't. Um, and so you know, those of us that are called to be under shepherds, we need to model the model it. We need to lead the way. We need to be honest. I mean, to, to for me, to, two marks of the gospel in a person's life, marks of walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, are humility and a life of repentance. Amen. And, and and so th- th- this is a means. And and you know, one of the one of the things that God, in His kindness, enabled me to do was uh, to, to to begin a leadership training. Um, uh, and it transformed the 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 the, the nature of, of of the church. Um, I, I uh, it was a two year uh, process. Um, and, uh, every we'd met every week. It was, it was mo- not just come when you can. There was a, there was a, a commitment to it, but, but it was, uh, uh, and the, and the men with whom I met needed, needed to talk with their wives about, this is what we're going to do. And, and the things they were learning, they were needing to lead at home.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah.
2: absolutely. And, 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 and we were able to talk with, with husband and wife. How are things happening in the home? How are you doing in the home? Um, because this is not just information. This is this is, and I remember uh, uh, having a conversation with a uh, uh, with a wife of one of the men who was in the group, and and this was before the group started. But but asking, um, so uh, wh- what did what did God speak to you through the through the word of God today that was preached? And initially she was somewhat offended by that. And what what is that to you? Well, I'm an under shepherd. That is to be a concern for me. And I'm not just asking you and not me. I'm, I'm sitting in the front row. Uh, I, I've been sitting in the front row all week as I'm preparing for this message. But, but but you know, eventually this person became too, too long and look for me to ask. So what is God challenging you with today? And uh, at the end of that two-year period of time, I had uh, pe- those that had been through it to share um, and not just them, but wives hmm. and the, 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 the transformation um, and not just the transformation, but now the the, the the patterns and the habits and the disciplines of life, a life of learning, a life of growing were were sown um, and they continued to grow and blossom and flourish. Uh, in 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 life, so that that was that was a means by which it, it's not just information; it's transformation. And you know, I often will say this: theology is best learned and lived in community.
1: Hmm. Yes.
2: And that's the community in which you know what we're not, no no faking it here. We're going to help each other, and 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 we're going to help each other grow. I think it's absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, that's great, and that is, I mean, if we're studying scripture, if we're studying doctrine. That that is very biblical, you know, the yes. idea that that we're we're being transformed in community, our lives are being changed. That that's the that's the doctrine that we're studying. It, yep. So it's in in that respect, it's doctrinal. It uh, is to, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It is.
2: And yeah. God's purpose, God's purpose, you know, Article One, uh, which you both remember well, it's to redeem a people for Himself for His own glory. Hmm people plural it's we are sal- salvation and the church go 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 hand in hand they're not one and the same
1: no.
2: and and let's not get the order out of order mm-hmm. um as the roman catholics will do uh that is they put the church first right and their salvation mm-hmm. it, uh, there isn't salvation outside the church but we have so so fragmented the two and separated the two what god has put together let's not so yes salvation is foundational but it's not the end it results in it's organically connected to ecclesiology, isn't it? Yeah, the church. So, so the gospel creates one new person with the goal of creating a new humanity. Don't gut the gospel of its purpose.
0: Hmm. Amen.
1: Amen. Hmm. Well, uh brother, thank you for your time. Uh do you have any last encouragements um as we go to any of our members in our congregation who are listening um that have a desire to grow in their knowledge of biblical doctrine?
2: Uh yes. Um you know, I would say this, um you know, when we think about um about theology and and who is a theology? Let me just share a couple of of through history, understandings of what theology is. True theology is not theoretical, but practical. The end of it is living, that is, to live a godly life. Martin Butzer. Or William Ames. Theology is the doctrine or teaching of living to God. Mm. Or finally, John Frame, a more contemporary, theology is application of God's word to all areas of life. Amen. Nothing's exempt. Right. Amen. So Amen. press on. Press on.
0: Amen. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thank you again. Uh, it's been an awesome, awesome conversation. And uh, to our audience, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you did, give us a honest five-star rating and share it on all your social media platforms. Take care.